This is the sixth day of this November 2019 seven-day <clears throat> And We will resume reading from the letters and lectures of uh, Chinese Zen master Da Wei from the uh, 12th and 13th centuries. Da Wei uh, is regarded as one of the the very most illustrious of the uh, Zen masters in the Linji lineage, uh, which became known as Rinzai in Japan. He's credited with having restored uh, the uh, koan system. Uh, And then the Hakuin in Japan uh, needed to do it again, uh, I don't know, 500 years later, something like 500 years later, 600 All right, this is uh, written to a uh, Chang'an Guo. He writes, Before emotional consciousness has been smashed, the mind fire burns bright. Let's just uh, comment on that. The emotional consciousness has been smashed. I would say this is more the... uh, Earlier in Sashin, I quoted uh, this Japanese master uh, who referred to the, uh, the block of emotion thought, where uh, meaning we keep uh, getting caught in our emotional reactivity and then um, f- reinforcing it with thoughts. Uh, it doesn't mean that we become, <laughs> we become without emotions or feelings. <clears throat> Before emotional consciousness has been smashed, the mind fire burns bright. At just such a time, just take a saying. That's how the translator renders uh, uh, koan. Oh, I've neglected to say who's the translator. Christopher Cleary. <clears throat> just take a, let's say, make it a koan. You have doubts about to arouse and awaken yourself. For example, a monk asked Zhao Zhou. Does a dog have Buddha nature or not? Zhao Zhou said, Mu. Just bring this up to arouse and awaken yourself. Whatever side you come at it from, that's not it. You're wrong. Uh, for those who haven't heard this already, I, I, I read a a book once that took the word mu 
and uh, discussed it for two or three. It was not a Zen book. It had nothing to do with Zen. But they took this uh, Japanese word mu and uh, discussed it and then finally came to the conclusion that linguistically it means it's not what you think. <laughs> excellent, excellent definition. I want it to be that definition. <laughs> it's it's usually uh, defined as uh, translated translated as uh, no or not. Uh, but imagine uh, the monk asking that question of Joshua and Joshua saying, "It's not what you think." <clears throat> so again, Dawei. Whatever side you come at it from, that's not it. You're wrong. Moreover, don't use the mind to await enlightenment. And you shouldn't take up the saying in the citation of it. And you shouldn't understand it as the original subtlety or discuss it as existent or non-existent or assess it as the nothingness of true nothingness. I don't know that many people would have done that. Many people here would have assessed it as the nothingness of true nothingness. Let's just rewind here. Moreover, don't use mind to await enlightenment. This is the fatal mistake that so many of us make when we're working on Mu or another first koan. Is uh, if, if, not, if we're not focused on the idea of enlightenment, it's in the back of our mind. Get it out of there. We don't, we don't want it anywhere, even the back of the mind. We don't want any thought of enlightenment or awakening because it is an impediment, that thought. That's the whole point of the koan is to get so thoroughly, thoroughly absorbed in it that even that thought that we long for so much awakening uh, just vanishes. That's where we're getting near. Moreover, don't use mind to await enlightenment. And you shouldn't sit in the bag of unconcern. What this means is uh, don't just settle into mental quiet. Quiet won't do it. Quiet is nice enough. It's wonderful to have the thoughts settle and to uh, settle into this state of repose, of mental quiet. It's, uh, it's luscious. It's wonderful. But we have to go beyond, go through that state of quietude, of tranquility. It's this. Awakening means just that, awakening, not going into the state of, of, of tranquility and staying there. He goes on, and you shouldn't understand it in sparks struck from stone or in the brilliance of a lightning flash. Um, probably he's pulling these out of some... Um, text or texts where these become ideas. They, they 
plant seeds of ideas in the monks' minds, and then they're stuck with that, these ideas. There should be no place to employ your mind. Another good one. In other words, the the discriminating mind, the discursive mind, is just unplugged. It may strike some people as impossible. How can ever have this this discursive mind, this discriminating mind, this thinking mind? How can that ever really fall silent? <coughs> but it can. It takes a lot of devotion, devoted work, concentration. But it can. When there's no place for mind, don't be afraid of falling into emptiness. On the contrary, this is a good place. Don't be afraid of falling into emptiness. I think we commented on this earlier in the session. I know I have many other sessions, but this is the primal fear the fear of disappearing. Isn't that really what the fear of death is? We don't know through our own experience, or at least we don't remember it from previous lifetimes. So in our mind, it just means not not being, disappearing. Well, that is the most liberating thing that can possibly happen to us is to uh, have this ego attachment, this mind of the small self disappear. There's a story um, from Japan um, about a salt doll that I've read I see here a few times before, but not in the last couple of years. And here's how it goes. This little salt doll, doll made of salt, had come a long way and uh, across land and uh, a very, a very, very dry journey until she arrived at the coast. Uh, she had never seen the ocean before and didn't understand what it was. <clears throat> so she asked the sea, What are you? The sea replied, I am me. The doll said, I don't understand, but I do, I want to. There's something here that I want to understand. So the sea said, go ahead, touch me. So this little doll made of salt uh, walked cautiously up to the edge and put her toes in the water and then quickly pulled them out and was shocked to see that they'd vanished. Where have my toes gone? She asked, frightened. The sea quietly replied, 
you have given something in order to understand. It must have been the, the tone of the sea's voice, but the doll somehow trusted what the sea was saying. And so she went a little further into the water and then farther. And at each step, more of her disappeared, more and more. Finally, a big wall of wave engulfed her. And as the last of her completely vanished, she said, Now I know what the sea is. The sea is me. have this instinctive fear of disappearing, but at the same time, it's what we all want, isn't it? Isn't that what brought us here? <clears throat> of getting beyond this, this self, this idea of a self that has bedeviled us our whole lives, always getting in the way, obstructing our harmonious relationships, inciting conflict with others, causing us no end of misery, this, this ego self. Well, this is the chance. This is it. But it takes this complete giving giving everything to the practice we're working on. Just that. We don't have to think about dying or even think about disappearing. Just putting everything into the practice. But everything. Not most of ourselves are just darting in and out, uh, but just losing ourselves in this practice, trusting it, Trusting the sea. Don't again don't be afraid of falling into emptiness. On the contrary, this is a good place. And then he then he says, Suddenly the rat enters a hollow ox horn and then wrong views are cut off. This is a, a sense of, of everything around you uh, getting quieter and uh, losing, losing uh, interest in the outside, things around us. And uh, going in, it's kind of like going into a, a tunnel um, until we come to this point of uh, critical uh, focus and then it just turns inside out. He He continues, this affair is neither difficult nor easy. Only if you have already planted deep the seeds of transcendent wisdom and served those of knowledge through vast eons without beginning, and developed correct knowledge and correct views, 
Does it strike you continuously in your present conduct as you meet situations and encounter circumstances in the midst of radiant spiritual consciousness, like recognizing your own parents in a crowd of people? At such a time, you don't have to ask anyone else. Naturally, the seeking mind does not scatter and run off. Well, the very fact that we're here is evidence of our having already planted deep the seeds of transcendent wisdom. It's a momentous thing to come to even one seven-day session, much less more of them. Every single person here is within striking distance of the sea, of dissolving in the sea. Another letter. Generally, Those who have been overly involved in worldly affairs, which are probably most people here, uh, for a long time have long been stuck like glue in the afflictions of the senses or attachments. When unexpectedly it happens that someone instructs them to do some meditation in a quiet place and they temporarily get a feeling of mental quiet, they immediately take this as the ultimate in peace and happiness. They are far from realizing that quiescent quiescent tranquility is like a rock pressing down on the grass. Though for a time they become aware that the scene is cut off, nevertheless the root and branches are still there. When will they experience quiescent extinction to the full. If you want to have real quiescent extinction appear before you, you must make a sudden leap within the fires of birth and death and leap out without moving a hair's breadth. Then you'll turn the rivers into pure ghee and the earth into gold. Faced with situations, you'll be free to release or capture to kill or bring to life. No device to benefit others or benefit yourself will be impossible. Usually after I've read a passage like this in Teisho, someone will come to Doksan and ask what that means to leap. Take this sudden leap. Well, it can't be explained. It's, it's, it's just the best that Dawei is coming up with to, to um, describe this turn, this turning about, this breakthrough. Don't get stuck in words. He's, uh, he's would be at a loss to describe this experience without... Uh, using words that are like this. 
like turning the, in the rivers into pure ghee and the earth into gold. You want to know what that what he's talking about? Find out. Doesn't mean doing something dramatic. It means just closing the final gap between you and the practice you're working on. It means dissolving completely into the practice. Another letter. This is to a secretary, Lu. In the old days, the venerable Yan Yang asked Zhao Zhou, how is it when, I, when one hasn't a single thing? Zhao Zhou said, throw it away. And then this monk, well, if I haven't a single thing, what should I throw away? Zhao Zhou said, no, I then carry it away. And at these words, Yan Yang was greatly enlightened. Again, a monk asked an ancient worthy, what's it like when the student can't cope? The ancient worthy said, I too am like this. The monk said, Teacher, why can't you cope either? And the teacher said, If I could cope, I could take away this inability to cope of yours. And at these words, the monk was enlightened. The teacher can't do it for the student. Even the student, herself or himself, can't do it in the way that we might think of doing something. It's more just getting out of the damn way of yourself through this absorption in the practice. It's really not oneself doing it. It's, it's being done. So if, if the student herself can't do it, how could the teacher do it for you? It's absurd. Teacher can try to inspire and encourage, try to take away the impediments that the student is, has, but in the end, it's got to be oneself. Reaching this point. He continues, Dawe, the enlightenment of these two monks is precisely where you are lost. Where you have doubts is exactly where these two monks ask their questions. Just that question again, that second monk. Uh, what's it like when the student can't cope? Of course, he's talking about himself. 
and this is something a teacher hears in one form or another hundreds and thousands of times. I don't know what else I can do. What I, I, I don't know how I can do this. I've done everything I can think of. I do extra sitting at night. I sit during breaks. I keep my eyes down and walking around the, the premises. Of course, I'm silent. Come to Doksan. I'm sitting in the strongest posture I can, straight back. What, what can, more can I do? Just keep going. A little further, a little further. Come on, just a little further. Don't falter. Don't lose heart. It's it's probably true to say that you you can't, however, you can't just do the same thing at the same level. It has to be stepped up at least a little bit. A little bit more, a little bit more. As we go on, we we develop the strength, the concentration to go a little further than we have until now. In fact, in this sashin, already what we haven't been able to do until now, now we are more likely to be able to do with every succeeding hour of sashin. We are in a better position to go the final bit. It doesn't matter what we have failed to do in the past. There's only now, just this. Forget about the past. Forget about the future. What is it? <coughs> and here, in the next letter... Dawei takes the time to uh, to write out a, a a poem by a master Chang Ching, and this is the poem: "The ultimate truth is wordless. People of the time do not realize this. They impose the practice of other things." considering them accomplishments. They do not know that inherent nature has never been sense objects, that it is the gate of subtle, wondrous, great liberation, aware of all there is without being stained or obstructed. Aware of all there is. This is, this is true mind. Awareness. Buddha. Remember, that's what Buddha means. It means awareness with a capital A, enlightened awareness. 
We all have this in exactly equal measure. No one more, no one less. That enlightened awareness is what's hearing these words now. Everyone has everything she or he needs to do this. We're full to the brim of this enlightened awareness. Wide open eyes. Behind all the thoughts, all the doubts and discouragement or anything else, it's just this wide awake knowing In the East Hall, we have a painting, a print of Bodhidharma. Take a look at that. Look at those gigantic eyes, quiet, still, unwavering. You're looking at yourself. is the seer, what in other traditions they call the seer. The poem goes on. This light has never stopped. From ages past up to the present, it's been steady, never changing. Shining like the sun on near and far, though it touches myriad colors, It doesn't mix with all of them. The subtle illumination of the spiritual light does not depend on being cultivated and refined. In other words, it's it's beyond practicing or not practicing. The neighbors we have here at Chapin Mill have the same mind. Everyone we can imagine has the same mind. does not depend on being cultivated and refined. Since they don't understand, people grasp the forms of things. It's just like rubbing the eyes, falsely making optical illusions arise. They wear themselves out futilely, passing many eons in vain. You can turn back and reflect There is no second person. All your conduct and activities won't be lacking in the real aspect. There's a koan that springs to mind uh, in the Mumonkan. Both Shakyamuni and Maitreya are servants of another. Who is that other? Who am I? What am I? And then Dawei continues in his own words in, with this letter. You say that you have dull faculties. That's a, a phrase you run across in translations of Chinese Zen texts, dull faculties. You say you have dull faculties. Try to reflect back like this. 
see if the one who can recognize the dullness is dull too or not. If you don't turn the light around and reflect back, you're just keeping to your dull faculties and adding more affliction. That would be adding illusory falsehood to illusory falsehood, laying on optical illusion on top of optical illusion. Just listen. The one who can know that sense faculties are inherently dull is definitely not dull. Though you shouldn't hold to this dull one, you shouldn't abandon it to study either. Grasping and rejecting, sharp and dull, these have to do with people, not with mind. This mind is one substance with all the Buddhas of the three worlds. There is no duality could say, not to. This is a, it can be a useful exercise to just to do briefly when you feel like you're getting bogged down and you start coming up with ideas about yourself as being inadequate or this, this work being too much. Say, oh, oh, pump the brakes. Who is seeing me as supposedly inadequate? Who's the one who's seeing that? Oh, we got this object, this self that we keep creating. We have this, and we, we come up with different ideas about the self, such as, I'm not up to this task. I, 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 I'm not um, capable of this. Who's seeing the I? That I can't be the true one. Can't be the seer. Can't be this original mind. And then he he continues this letter. Just realize that mind with a single essence and no duality definitely does not lie within sharp and dull or grasping and rejecting. Then you'll see the moon and forget the finger, immediately making a clean break. If you linger further in thought, calculating before and after, then you're still understanding the empty fist as if it held something real falsely concocting strange things amidst the phenomena of the sense objects, vainly confining yourself within matter, sensation, perception, volition, and consciousness. These are the five skandhas. Within the elements of sensory experience, you'll never get done. Next letter, Who is in the Way, is the title the translator gave it. Your letter informs me that your root nature is dim and dull, that is, 
you claim in your letter that your root nature is dim and dull, so that though you make efforts to cultivate and uphold the Dharma, you've never gotten an instant of transcendent enlightenment. The one who can recognize dim and dull is definitely not dim and dull. Where else do you want to seek transcendent enlightenment? After all, people of the world who study this path must depend on their dimness and dullness to enter. In other words, we we start from where we are. But if you hold to dimness and dullness, considering yourself to be without the qualifications for the path, then you're being controlled by the demons of dimness and dullness. So, in other words, whatever uh, our shortcomings may be, and we all have them, uh, we don't want to attach to them. We don't want to cling to the idea of our shortcomings. If so, then we're controlled by those demons. Since those with commonplace understanding often make the intention of seeking transcendent enlightenment into an obstacle set before them, their own correct understanding cannot appear before them. And this obstacle does not come from outside. It's nothing else but the the master who recognizes the dimness and dullness. He, he translates master as boss man. <laughs> I don't think so. I will, we'll make it master, but the master who recognizes the dimness and dullness. And then he uh, um, quotes a koan in the Mumonkan, Zuigan calls master. When he was, it says, when he was dwelling constantly in his room, he would call to himself, Master, and also respond, Yes, be alert, I will. Hereafter, don't fall for people's deceptions, I won't. Fortunately, since ancient times, there have been such models. Just arouse yourself right here and see what it is. Another very short letter to a Fu Li Shen. Both torpor and restlessness were condemned by the former sages. Well, condemned is a pretty strong word. You know, we always, we're always, uh, there's always this membrane of translation between us and the original words. We, we can't know. Unless you're working from the original and reading Chinese characters, we can't know for sure what these masters said. Uh, condemned, yeah, they would warn. They would warn about slipping into states of torpor, lethargy, or on the other hand, restlessness. Um, he continues, when you're sitting quietly, as soon as you feel the presence of either of these two diseases, just bring up your practice. 
Don't exert effort to push away these two kinds of diseases. Just be peaceful and still right there. Over a long time, as you become aware of saving power, this is the place where you gain power. Nor do you have to engage in quiet meditation. This itself is meditation. This last line is important. So, for say, in a state of of uh, restlessness or excitation, uh, it's a mistake to think that that what we're encountering there in our sitting, that state, is not itself the meditation. As if, okay, we can't do this, we can't really do meditation as long as we're in this state uh, of restlessness. It's, we, fought, we do it right there. That is it. That's our state of mind. Our state of mind is just what's here. And there it is. That's the context of the meditation or the torpor or the anger, the sorrow. We, we can't wait until we're in some imagined ideal state to do this practice. That brings us to the end of our time. We'll stop now and recite the four vows. Okay.